Well, we want to welcome you to this week's podcast of Live Transform. Jim, it's good to be together. Audrey, as always, we are together. <laughs> All the time. You know, I was kind of wondering uh, yeah. where you go there, Bob. As Jim, always. good to be with you, Audrey. That, that long pause, <laughs> y'all been fighting or something? You know, What's going on we're here? just always together. <laughs> he, really, he really did give that, didn't he? And Audrey... Wait, hit the pause button. We got to do some counseling here before we go. It's still good. It's still good to be together. Thank you, babe. Yeah. I don't mind taking drives alone, though. Yeah. Every once in a while, when one of us has to go on an errand, we're like, Okay, bye. <laughs> Do you want me to come along? Nope, no, I'm nope, good. good. Nope. We're good. We're pretty, we're pretty honest with each other. Because I like to I'll roll. I'll come with you. No, nope, it's all right. Nope, we're good. Nope, nope. I like to have the windows down. Um, yeah, you blow my speakers And blow the speakers like. with my 70s music yeah. and just have a time, you know? Well, see, that, see, the thing is, with her hairstyle, <laughs> all that happens is her hair gets messed up. With your hairstyle, you get dead bugs stuck to your head. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you, you can't you can't ride with her with the windows down and sticking your head out and all that oh. stuff. You know. <laughs> we had a really hot summer this this year here in Arizona, and one evening we went out, and it was like nine in the evening, and it was still a hundred and ten degrees. Ooh. And, at night, no sun. At night, like this is this it's, is it's very feeling. very different. The, ha- the sensation, yes. because in the in the sunlight, you know, you have that direct yep. heat. But to have 110 at <laughs> 9 at night when the sun is down, and we would drive. Oh, yeah, we'd put down we the windows roll down. down the I windows. I mean, pretend we were in an oven, and, and, and it was just, fun. You hang your arm out the window, and, and you it get actually kind of hurts. And so... Well, you know, when we when I, when I used to ride a motorcycle, it was like oh yes, I, Same it's just sensation. unbearable. You know oh, how you, yes. you feel like you're you feel like you got your face in a heater <laughs> because of this hot air and then it's, like, some. it's not cooling you down a bit. Yeah, it's well, really weird. I th- I think this is everything that everyone wanted to hear this morning. Yeah. So yeah. welcome to live transformed. Yeah, because this will this it's, will transform your I, life. I changed my mind. I, I'm not going to tell them what we was going to tell them. What we told them. Oh yeah, we had that cliffhanger. I ain't going to tell them. We're no, not gonna do it. we decided we're just going to talk about. <laughs> We're, we were just messing with you. We were just trying to trick you into listening this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week is actually a a part two. Yeah. Yep. And we've we've uh, you know even in the last several weeks you know we're with regards to um, just bringing an emphasis you know to uh, heart physics you know heart you know transformation. But last week, uh, Jim, we started uh, in the place of transformation. Sorry. Of perception, (laughs) but perception, but you, you, he really really paid attention. Yeah, I I did. (laughs) But, uh, you know, just with regards to truth and it's, um, I, I, I can find, I find that a lot of people really feel as though that they have the truth. Yeah. And so the, then the application of truth for you would be the same application of truth as it is for me. Yep. And and that is where a real disconnect, you yep. know, begins to happen. Right. You know, something, you know, and I, I've talked about this a lot over the years. We've talked about this together, about the difference between what is true and what is truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there is that which is true, which is the, you know, the word of God is true. It is the only thing that's absolutely always true, you know, I, I, I say I've been thinking a lot the last few weeks about the word perfect as is used in scripture. Ah. 
I, 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 I love that whole concept of, and, and this is, you know, this doesn't get into the way we think of perfect and, 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 and that sort of thing. But, but, you know, God, all of God's work is perfect. There is yes. nothing flawless or contradictory right. in anything that he's ever said. But even though that's true, it doesn't mean it's truth for you until it's working. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, Jesus made this clear. We've talked about this week after week, time after time, over in John seventeen, where, where there's some, you know, they're fussing with Jesus, like, how do we know your, how do we know your doctrine's true? He said, well, if you had any intention of putting any of it into practice, you wouldn't know if it's true. Because now, then you you'll know, know it's true for you. Yeah. Well, because it'll work. When you it'll want to work. put something into right. practice, yeah. it's going to work. And But I, I'm sure so many people that listened last week are still kind of struggling. Wait a minute. Truth is absolute. Application is variable. And if you're not careful, you can take that to some place that we're not, we're not really saying. And in the application of truth, here, here's where it gets personal. Because you can just take the word of God. And this is true. And you can just become very legalistic, leave God out of it and say, okay, so this is true. So this is what I want it to look like in my mm-hmm. life. This is, mm-hmm. this is what I want it to produce in my life. This, you know what I mean? You can twist that into just a selfish self-centeredness. But uh, here's where it really becomes personal. Because if the Lord is my shepherd, he is the only one that can guide me and, that, and I don't have to know all of this. He, he's not, in other words, all this information is not going to become uh, uh, conscious information to me. You know, like, uh, I, you know, I've got certain fears that somebody else doesn't have. I've got certain negative life experiences somebody else doesn't have. I've got certain disappointments, you know, that other people don't have. So now, now, what's interesting, God's not going to explain all that to you. Because number one, if he did, you wouldn't believe him anyhow. You wouldn't trust him anyhow. But what it, God is going to do is he's going to lead you into how to take the absolute truth of God. So here's the absolute truth of God. Here's one I have to deal with a lot because of having had so many health issues. By his stripes are bruising. And I always put the word bruising because that's the right technical word. By his bruising, I am healed. I'm not going to be healed. I am healed. Mm -hmm. Healing is mine. Whether Mm -hmm. I'm well, whether I'm not well, whether I'm struggling, whether I'm not struggling, it is already mine. It can't become mine any more than it is right now. There's nothing I can do to make healing any more mine than it already is. Now, everything we've been taught about faith has been to say, okay, it's, it's been offered to you, but now you gotta you gotta work some kind of faith system to go, you know, to get God to really give it to you. Right, right, right. But the real truth is. It's already yours. It's, that's true. But for that to become my truth, then I've got to follow God in my heart and how to apply it. Yeah. And, you know, you, you guys have heard me tell this, this, use this example before. You know, I've faced all of these different situations throughout my life that many of, many of them were life-threatening. Many of them were just threatening. And it's been very rare that I've used the exact same process every time in order to, to, to walk into this healing that already belongs to me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, sometimes when we stumble on kind of following the Holy Ghost into getting healed, uh, the problem is then we say, okay, this is the way it's going to be every time. 
every time. This is what this is. Well, and then you die, <laughs> you know. Uh, no, it, it's all about taking something that is absolute in the Word, yeah. but then following the Holy Spirit, following the Good Shepherd into how to apply that in, into our life. Yeah, and this is where I find people stumble, you know, when they yes. uh, begin, you know, with heart physics, mm-hmm. is that they they miss... I, I don't know if I want to call it the process or the making of the truth that's being presented yep. and actually applying it to their life. This is my experience. You see, because then that's when it really does become a transformation and a heart belief for me. Rather yep. than just looking at, okay, I got the, I'm because I have the information right, mm-hmm. then the application must be. Yeah, you know the same, or I mean, it must be. Easy. And it's just like, yeah. no, that is the the working out. Yeah, you know, he's given us everything that we need, everything that we need. Now, I get to walk it out. Yeah. Now I get to make it mine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just back, can you, back to the thinking of yeah. the truth and the truth. This is so good to talk about because how we apply it. For instance, you you use that word perfect today, Jim, and I love that because that's a real word for me. You know when Proverbs 4 says the path of the just is the shining light that shines more and more until it brings forth the perfect day, right? Mm-hmm. And so I you know you guys know I'm all about this whole 24-hour thing that God in his incredible love for us gave us uh, a world to live in where we get a fresh start every 24 hours and we mm-hmm. get like a new mercies, we get all this newness. And so for, for a perfect day, I'm always thinking, God, what can I do to participate with you to the point where I get to have a perfect day? Like, what is a perfect day? Because, you know, maybe that's his promise. Like I'm healed, but I can actually live forth the perfect day Mm -hmm. according to what my decisions and choices are. Well, absolutely. But but again, you know, last week we start, and I and I know some people are like, well, wait a minute, I'm not sure I'm understanding kind of how why you're bringing some of this stuff in, but but you know we started talking about relationship last week, mm-hmm. and so uh, as a matter of fact, let, let me just we'll just maybe maybe we just need to dive straight over into a couple of things that people struggle with because. You know, one of the things you get into when you start talking about some of this stuff, everybody has their own definitions of words. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. And so you start trying to explain something to somebody, and because of the definitions, I'm not saying your definitions are necessarily right and mine are are, are wrong or whatever, but I'm just saying we need to make sure that you understand what we mean by certain words. Yeah, Mm -hmm. good. You know, one of the most misunderstood, and, and, and this is not a subjective analysis. This is what the Bible says. The Bible says that, that faith righteousness is the stumbling stone of the gospel. And it says when it comes to the issue of, of, of faith of Jesus being our righteousness, one of two things is going to happen. It's a stone that's either going to, that's either going to uh, uh, roll on you and crush you and what is the other option? I'm just, I just went blank. I'm, my mind's running too far ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll, you'll fall on this stone and be broken, or this fa- stone will fall on you and crush you. Right, that's it, yeah. And then, you know, uh, 
Then in the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews is like, look, guys, I can't even start to teach you guys about righteousness because you will not learn and stick to the foundations of the faith. And, and he says, and he says, we can't, he says, we got to get these foundations and not, and not cast them away. And the word cast away can mean two things. It can mean, it can mean, we, uh, we can't throw them down and forget them, but it also means we can't keep going back over and over. And, 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 you know, even, even that far back in history in the book of Hebrews written to Hebrew, you know, converts to Christianity, you know, he was saying, look, I need to get you to, to, to righteousness. I need to get you. This is the most important issue there is. Mm, and mm. I can't get you there because we build this foundation of faith and then you learn some new weird doctrine somewhere mm -hmm. and then you cast away the foundation. You, you know, I can't yeah. keep, you know, yeah. you have to, once you understand this foundation, you have to stay on this foundation. Yes. And, yes. and then you can't, you can't interpret anything in a way that violates the foundation. Right, right. And so, so he says, he, he says, so you can't throw away the foundation, but he said, but on top of that, I can't go back and keep reteaching this. I can't just, you know, month after month, year after year, go back. And every time I want to teach you something new, teach you the foundation. This is, this is where renewing your mind gets into how do you think, not just what you think, how do you think? As a matter of fact, I'll tell you, in our, you know, we're, we're putting together new, we're renewing classes in our uh, Impact International School of Ministry. And, um, you know, we were, we were planning the other day the, the class on foundations of faith. And what's really interesting is the foundations of the faith actually correspond to the feast. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's just something you just, uh, you know, you just miss. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, and, and so I, I won't go into all of that right now, but, but the feasts were designed to take us through a process of shaping our beliefs. And they started with repentance from dead works. Well, what does that relate to? Feast of unleavened bread. Faith toward God. What does that relate to? Trusting the fact that by the blood of Jesus, you are delivered from the wrath of God. You know, you are, you are absolutely delivered from wrath. Doctrines of baptisms. What does that relate to? That relates to the fact that when you crossed the Red Sea, you were baptized in the body of Christ. When you went to Mount Sinai, you were baptized into uh, or baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, laying on of hands. Well, that gets into a whole lot of things. But anyhow, all of these things were designed to give us a foundation so that we could get on with the serious stuff. Hmm. But you can't get on with the serious stuff if you don't have this, if you don't hmm. have this worked out. Hmm. And so... And so it's, it's really hard to get people stable in their faith. And when I'm saying, yeah, I'm not, listen, I face challenges just like everybody else does. But I yeah. am just telling you, there's got to be a place in your life where you're standing on the rock. Mm -hmm. And the rock is the foundation mm -hmm. of God's word. And that, you know, you might have, you might have some fear inside you. You might be struggling with issues, but you are not going to move off of that rock. That's that is right. your foundation. You're going to yeah. look the storm in the eye and it's going to be like, you, you know, uh, uh, you know, Paul learned an important lesson about grace, and and I'm not talking about fake grace. I'm talking about Bible grace. And, you know, and, and you know, Paul was in a situation where he kept saying, kept saying, "Lord, remove this thorn mm -hmm. from me." Mm -hmm. Of course, you got all these theological idiots who try to say, "Well, that thorn was a sickness. It was a disease. Paul had an eye disease." There is nothing in any biblical historical account that confirms that. If you use the Bible to interpret the Bible, 
you realize that God always identified the thorns as the people around us. You know, he told the children of Israel, he said, if you let these people stay here, there'll be thorns in your flesh, thorns in your eyes. And so, you know, I think considering what Paul had been through, that would pretty well be self-revealing. Uh, you know, you know, they, they stoned him, they beat him with rods, you know, uh, uh, they tried to kill him two or three times. Uh, he was in prison. I would say that would qualify for a thorn in the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> They're you know? literally trying to kill him constantly. Yeah. yeah. And so... So, you know, again, you, you got these legalists who say, well, see, Paul said, remove his thorn from my flesh, and God said no. Oh, well, wait a minute. You might want to like, learn how to read because God didn't say no. God said, my grace is sufficient. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that's him saying no. No, it's not. Mm -mm. God's saying my power in you is sufficient in this situation. So, you know, you realize that you mm. can, when you face a situation there's going to be times that you're going to move the mountain. That's a work of grace. That's faith mm -hmm. and grace working mm -hmm. inside you. Yeah. There's going to be times when you're going to walk over the mountain. Hmm. That's still going to be faith and grace working in you. There's going to be times when you blow up the mountain. I mean, you know what I mean? There's all yeah. kinds of ways that you can get to the other side of the mountain, but it's always faith and grace. Wow. Always, 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 always faith and grace. And so, you know, we want to be where we're standing. You know, Jimmy Bratcher, my good buddy, he, he's, yeah. got, he's got one of his songs I love. Is a, He says, I'm going to move that mountain yeah. if it's just one rock at a time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you know, God is saying, don't worry about how, what's going to happen with the mountain. Yeah. Worry about whether or not you're connected to my faith and grace. Worry about it. Are you standing firm on this foundation? And, you know, that's when you look at life and just say, you know what? I'm not exactly sure. I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to try to decide the process and yeah, control God. Right. I know what the promise is. I know what the end result of this is. Mm -hmm. And I know how I'm going to come out of this, but I'm going to follow God the way he's going to lead me. And like I said, he may lead me around the mountain. He may lead me to move the mountain. He may lead me to walk over the mountain. He may lead me to, to blow up the mountain, but I'm going to follow God. I'm not going to just jump out there and say, oh, this is how God wants to get it done. Faith and grace. Faith I and faith and grace. Love I want to attach faith to absolutely everything that I do throughout my day. Yeah. With absolute confidence, knowing that His grace yeah. is more than enough. Yeah. yeah. And I love this illustration of the mountain because because we all face mountains. Like you said, there's none of us are exempt. Yeah. Like sometimes people think, oh, some people just seem to have everything easy for them. You know, yeah. if we wanted to take this podcast and just talk about what's been hard for us this week, we all could. Like yep. there's been challenges. There's been, there's things we're doing. So I just love this mountain thing because there are so many ways to get to that other side and it's, and we can't decide which way it's going to be, but we can be led by the heart, be, by our own heart, because we are standing on the rock of faith, yep. our foundation. We are steadfast. I love that 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 a rock is so strong. When you stand on a rock, yep. you don't have to wonder whether it's going to falter under you. Like I was climbing up to get something out of our pantry the other day, and it was like way above my my height <laughs> capacity. And so I was looking down at what I was going to stand on. You know what I mean? When you're going to take yep. that chance. Well, if I stand on that box, there's a real good chance that my weight's going to squish it. And there's a really good chance if I try climbing up these shelves, they might not hold my 
wait. But anyway, it's just interesting. Like I really, I used to just do stuff without thinking, but Bob has really helped me to learn to think before I take action. So I really thought about what was going to be the most stable, you know, to get to that top shelf. And I love that I found something so solid because then there's absolute confidence. I was just using that yep. as an example. When we're on the rock, there is absolute conf- There's no way I'm going to squish a rock with my right. weight. Like, not a right. chance. <laughs> I'm blown. Stop it. I just... Bob is making fun of me right now. He's saying that his mind is blown. But boy, am I glad we're together. <laughs> <laughs> well, be be careful because that can be changed. You, you need to, to kind of. I might need, have be, to go be, for be, a be ride later. That's right. <laughs> well, you know, you know, you guys might rem- you remember this series that I did years ago called "What to Do When." Uh, when you tried everything and nothing seems yeah, to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course series? I remember mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. In that series, you know, one of the, uh, by the way, I gave about 10 good exercises. Yes, you in, did. In that series. Yes. But in that series, you know, one of the things, I, the concept that I introduced in that series is that most of the time, good people who are intent, on, I mean, they're, they're serious about God. They're not trying to take shortcuts or not trying to get in the sand. And they might even hear in their voice the promise of God saying, this is, this is yours. And then, you know, man, and you've watched these people, they live godly lives, they're stable, you know what I mean? They're, they're moral, they're predictable, uh, you know, in a good kind of way. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't come out. And you're like, well, what happened? What happened? The number one reason serious godly people do not obtain the promises that God even speaks into their heart is because... After God speaks to us, or after we see something in the Bible, or after we kind of get a confirmation or a witness of the Holy Spirit in our yeah. heart mm-hmm. that the promise is ours, the problem is we then attempt to take control of the process to get to the promise. Absolutely. Yes. In other, wor- in, in other words, Jesus is really not our shepherd, which yeah. really means in this case, he's really not our Lord, because we're not saying, okay, Lord, lead me there. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going. I'm just going to follow you. I'm just going to pay attention, and I'm going to. I'm going to follow you. But what we do is then we look back at, to some plan that we that we've either done before that's worked, some process, some formula, something somebody else said we should do, and then we start asking God to bless that. It's sort of like saying, you know, like you know, the Bible says, in the path of righteousness there is life and z- no death, zero death. Mm-hmm. Nothing but life. That's mm-hmm. that's what I call serendipity. Man, you just walk in the path of righteousness, and you know what? You just keep finding stuff all the time. You're like, oh, yeah. man, look here. I wasn't praying for it. There it is. Yeah. But our problem is, is we want to go over here, and we want to walk a path based on our own logic, based on our own intellect, based on our... What, you know, what we actually trust more than we trust God. Right. And we want to go over here to this path and say, God, I want you to leave the path of righteousness... And come over here to this path mm-hmm. because I'm going to walk this path and I want you to bless me as I walk this path. Well, God's not going to do that. I mean, God's always seeking to bless you, yes. but, but, but that's sort of like getting a map and saying, okay, 
I, I, I'm in Huntsville. I want to go to Nashville. And so that, that's, Nashville is just due north. Bam. Due north. But I get that map out and I look. And I was like, you know what? This road over here, man, look at this. I believe that, I believe this would be a really interesting road to take to Nashville. But the problem is, it's, go, it's going west. And so I'm like, okay, God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bless me and get me to Nashville quickly and safely as I take this highway that goes due west. Mm-hmm. Well, God will be with you. I mean, it's not that he leaves you. It's not that he abandons you. But it's sort of like, but I can't make this road go north for you. You know, and it's the same way with the path of righteousness. You leave the path of righteousness and, you know, you, I'm with you and I'll help you, but yeah. you're going to, on that other path, there's going to be death. There's going to be things. And that, the, remember the scripture I just read earlier, yeah. the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter, yeah. but it brights, it shine and shines more and more until it brings forth a perfect day. And that's, I think that's what, anyway, I just yeah. wanted to bring that in because you're talking about no, the, path, the, the righteous path because it's real. Yep. But the problem becomes the 21st century church doesn't even understand the foundations enough to where we can get to where we're going to teach them about righteousness. Because if you don't have your foundation, when Mm -hmm. you go to righteousness, you will go to some extreme left or right Mm -hmm. that is kind of in the shadow of righteousness, so to speak. You know what I mean? It's not totally yeah. unrighteous, but it's not really the righteousness of God that, that, that God is talking about. And so, so if you don't have this absolute fixed foundation, then you'll say all the right words, but still end up on the wrong path. Huh. So, so you say, well, what's that got to do with what we talked about last week about perception? Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you asked, <laughs> because what I, I mean, I'm telling you, what I'm going to tell you today. Now, you 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 might just listen to it, and it might just become something where you go, "Oh, hey, yay, I know something new," you know. Right. Or it might be something that you meditate on for the next 25 or 30 years mm-hmm. that continually feeds your soul hmm. and continually keeps you in the light of righteousness. So. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden and let's revisit mm-hmm. uh, uh, what, how we got here. Where did it all start? Where did this mess that the world is in, where did it start? Well, it started at the Garden of Eden. And I'm just telling you, if you don't understand what happened in the Garden of Eden, you'll never understand righteousness. You'll never understand sin. You'll never understand faith. You'll, I mean, they're just almost, I mean, I'm not saying you won't understand anything about those topics. But I'm saying you'll never understand them in a way that habitually produces the results that you want in your life. So, man's in a garden called paradise. Now, I'm just going to tell you, the majority of Christians today that I talk to, now, if they know, if they know that I'm testing them, they, they, they all, you, know, you can never do surveys and stuff on Christians. They never tell you the truth. <laughs> they tell you what they think they're the supposed right to tell you. Yeah. But the real truth is, I think the great majority of Christians in the world today do not believe the biblical account of creation of the world or the biblical account of the creation of man and the whole Garden of Eden experience. Would, that, would y'all agree with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're in the Garden of Eden, Eden and man is in paradise. Uh, 
You know, there, there was a guy years ago on y'all's television program. I'm not going to call him by name because I'm not trying to attack him. But I remember uh, uh, he wrote one of the best scientific books about some of the scientific aspects of creation that I've ever read. And uh, But he didn't believe that Adam was the first man. He didn't believe the general account of what happened in the garden. He didn't believe the general account of how God created man. Hmm. And this is a wonderful guy, loved God, and had mm-hmm. some, like I say, some of the best scientific. You remember who I'm talking about, right? Yes. And has, I mean, he had some of the best scientific teaching about creation, biblically, scientifically, you know, uh, uh, harmonious teachings. But yet he could, he could never use that to put it together in a way that made any difference in your real life because he didn't he didn't believe what God said about creating man the garden all, you know all that kind of stuff so I'm just telling you you know uh, I know you think these scientists have got all this information they don't I know that you think that science has got everything figured out they don't if they did, why would they change their theories every 50 years or so? Mm-hmm. Why would they come out and say, oh, now, you know, now we believe this. Now we think the world was created this way. Did you know it's not even, if, if there was no one to observe the process at the time that it happened, if there was no one to observe it, then it's not science. When you look back and say, this happened 150 million years ago, who observed that? Who, who, who is there that measured that? Who is there that, who, who can tell you if any of that is anything other than mere speculation? Mm-hmm. Almost all creation science is not science. It is creation theory and speculation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I go for the God created everything just exactly what the Bible says it does. Mm-hmm. And, there, and there is geological proof and anthropological truth mm-hmm. to support that. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So in the garden. Yeah. Man and God are in harmony. Mm-hmm. And so man is getting his uh, leadership about what to do here so that, lo- so that earth stays in harmony with God. Mm-hmm. So really, we have to go back and repeat something that we've talked about in the past, how that every time God created something, you know, he went through this process of conceiving it in his heart. Then he had the the intention that he was going to speak it and it would come into existence just as he conceived it in his heart. That was his intention. And then when he would go through a creation process, then he would say, it is good. Well, in the Hebrew, the concept of good is not just the fact that it was pleasing, desirable, pleasurable. Anytime you see the Hebrew word good, you always need to think in the sense of being in harmony. Right. So God, when God said it is good, he's saying it's in harmony. It's first and foremost in harmony with his intention. Mm-hmm. Well, what was his intention? Well, his intention was to create a unique environment that's different from anywhere else in the universe that can sustain human life to its highest level of quality. Mm. And so when God said it was good, he was saying, that sustain that will sustain life. That will mm. give mankind an incredible life because that's that's what I intended when I, when mm. I spoke it. This is this is my purpose for creation is to create a habitat for man, you know. And so, so everything everything was about being good, being in harmony. So if you don't think about harmony, if you don't 
think about God and all of these factors from the perspective of harmony, honestly, you will always end up to some degree off the rails and dead works. Hmm. You know? Yeah. So the world is in harmony. Man is created in the likeness and image of God. So keep in mind, man had to be created in harmony with God. Otherwise, this environment called planet Earth would not sustain his life. So God, man, planet Earth, the universe, all everything in creation had to be in harmony mm-hmm. for, for it to all work. Mm-hmm. So this brings us to another concept, and that is this. What we fail to understand, because we don't understand righteousness, we fail to understand that planet Earth and all of the universe is built on the foundation of righteousness. Mm-hmm. In other words, if planet Earth is not in harmony with God and His intentions, then the real truth is it's going to fall apart. It's going to blow up. Hmm. And so, man, when you start thinking about the physical world being created and on a foundation of righteousness, that really kind of starts challenging what we think righteousness is. Yes. So, Bob, you got that deep look like, you, like you're yeah. ready. Come yeah. on, come on. Uh, Give it to us. Yeah, I was, and I was just going to find the reference for it. But it, it comes to this place where the earth moans and groans, you know, for the, and I believe sons of men or, yep. you know, to step into, yep. you know, the truth of who they really are. You see yep. that? And and again, I'm I just it's 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 that that harmony yep. where even the earth the and creation, the earth. yeah, you right. know, is groaning, you know, f- for the children of God to you know step back into harmony. the harmony with God. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, absolutely. You know, stop and you know, just just stop and think about it. Uh, the universe is is like a finely tuned uh, instrument playing in a symphony. But in order for that symphony to sound like it should sound and to be pleasant, then then the number one, it has to be every everything has to be in tune. And everything has to be playing in harmony. By the way, that scripture you're referring to yeah. is Romans 8, uh, 22. Okay, thank you. And that, that whole, uh, from Romans 8, 22 forward, just goes into that whole concept. Yeah, okay. So, so if man is out of harmony with God, that's like your violins in the orchestra being out of, out of tune. They're not in harmony. Mm-hmm. So this means that it affects the quality of the entire orchestra. It affects mm-hmm. it affects how everything sounds. The whole how everything experience comes yeah. across. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I tell you, uh, uh, you, you know, when I would travel a lot in music, man, you'd get somewhere and, you know, sometimes I would take a lot of my own musicians with me when we go and do meetings. And um, people, churches sometimes would not want us to go. They, they wouldn't want to go to all the trouble of setting up all of our own equipment. They'd want us to use their equipment. And man, you get in there, 
and you get ready to do something and the piano is just a little yeah. out of tune. Yeah. And you can and you can never make it sound right. You can never have the worshipful effect that you want to have. And people don't even know. They don't have the ear to know it's out of tune. They don't know why it's affecting them negatively. It's just affecting them negatively right. yeah. just because it's out of tune. Yeah. So when you think of righteousness, the first concept you have to think of righteousness is being in harmony with not just the character and nature of God, but with the intention of God. Mm. You know, you know, I, I talk all the time about how the, the law and the commandments are, are going to be life or death based on whether or not you are applying them in harmony with God's intention. You know, if you if you take the goofy religious route that the law is is legalistic and is fear based, then you have moved away from God's intention, and you can take something that God created for good and you can turn it to evil. Because because you are not applying it in harmony with His intention. Mm -hmm. So in the garden, man is an absolute. Harmony with God. Yes. Man looks to God to understand creation. He looks right. to God to understand his role in creation. And even though at that time there wasn't a, there wasn't a, a lot of a civil justice because there, there wasn't a population to require it yet, uh, <clears throat> there wasn't a great demand for civil justice, but there still was a great demand for righteousness as to how do we take care of the garden? How do we take care of the earth? What do mm -hmm. we do that sustains planet earth in a way that it stays in harmony with your intention of creation? So everything is wonderful. No sickness, no right. disease, no suffering, no pain, no hardship. Mm -hmm. So then, of course, we know that the, the serpent wiggles up there in the garden. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, a lot of people have asked me, they said, well, okay, when, when God cast Satan out, why did he let him go to planet earth well god didn't let satan go to planet earth man did man had authority over planet earth man knew that when he was in the garden he knew i mean because he'd already named all the animals he had already demonstrated that he had authority over all the animals the fact that he named them was was a, a part of uh, a, a representation of his authority so uh for Lucifer to come to planet Earth and, and because the animals actually communicated with human beings at that time and for that serpent to wiggle in there into the garden and start having this conversation, that could have been stopped any time. All it would have taken would be for Adam or Eve wanted to say, depart from me, leave the garden. Not, not permissible no. because it's in complete disharmony yep. in God's original intent and design. So I, this is the, the interesting thing is that, um, you know, bankers, tellers, you know, there was a, a time where, again, uh, to be able to identify a counterfeit, they study yep. the real thing. Yep. You see, and so when you've experienced the real, then when yep. a counterfeit comes, even though it is so close to mm -hmm. the original, it's, it's easily recognizable. And so, yeah, it's, it's again, not permitted 
I know what harmony looks like. You see, yep. I practice his presence. I know his voice. Yep. And so because of that, anything else that would come alongside? No, yeah. no, no. And if there's any kind of doubt, just take time. And, yep. and, and again, turn your attention to what is true. Yep. To the absolute truth. Yes. You know, anytime you find yourself saying, why did God let? Hmm. The minute you get to that word let, you need to hit the brakes and say, wait a minute. I am denying the way God created the world. I am denying how God created man. I am denying the authority that man has mm-hmm. over planet Earth. I am denying that we have keys to the kingdom. I am denying that I have control of my life. And, and that's a lot of denying, but that's what you're... In the moment, you say, why did God let? Because if it happened on planet Earth, the question is, why did man let this happen? Yeah. Uh, and again, because of childhood perception... Yep. Okay, all of the images that, you know, were created, you know, the animations, it's mm-hmm. almost as though people have the perception that God created this tree of knowledge of good and evil as a place where the devil was able to abide. Right. You know, that that, that, that was God giving him this place. Yep. You know, there's an interesting thing. And I can't even remember. I did, I, you know, I did a lot of Hebrew research in this, and I did a lot of discussing this with my with my Hebrew teacher. Uh, it might there's the Hebrew language lends itself to the idea that the problem was not that Adam and Eve just ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's a possibility in the language. I'm not, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but there's a possibility in the language that that they could have met there with God. And uh, uh, because, see, the real truth was God was telling them that right and wrong. Mm-hmm. But the goal here and the problem was not that I want to know the difference between good and evil. The, the thing was, I want to know this apart from God. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's a lot of subtleties in that whole concept. And you can even get into the Hebrew words for tree. Uh, fruit, all this kind of yeah. stuff. And it, it kind of, you know, the religious people say, well, see, God put that there to test them. Mm. No. No. Remember, you have free will. And, and if God does not give you free will options in every situation, then the truth is it's not free will. Yeah. So they're in the garden, a serpent that they had authority over. A, a whole temptation, everything that they could have stopped. The the minute, see when, you know that, you know we, we'll call it conviction or, or this sort of thing. Uh, but the minute you start feeling disharmony with you and God in your heart, then you should know I'm headed down a wrong path. I am making a wrong a wrong decision, and you got to know the minute Eve. And then Adam began this conversation with the serpent. You've got to know that, that they recognized this disharmony with God. You've got to know they did. You, you, can't, you can't be in righteousness and not recognize disharmony. Mm-hmm. So, but they did nothing about it. And they, like I said, they didn't use their authority in any way. They didn't do any of the things they could have done. So, so <clears throat> the, the serpent 
starts this discussion and he starts this discussion with, and he implies several things. Has God, has God really said that you can't, you, know, you shouldn't eat of the tree of good knowledge? Uh, you know, is, that, is, that, is that what he really, really said? And uh, so by implication, uh, you know, you, you, you kind of start this reasoning process. Well, is that what God says? Is that what God really, really meant? I mean, you know, there's all kinds of places you can go. And there's, normally I would go real deep into all that, but I don't think we need to for this. But, but at some point in time, he says, no, you know, the real, the, the, the real truth is that God, you won't die when you eat this. But the truth is, that's when you will actually become like God. Mm. So th th there is an implication here that, number one, God did not tell you the truth. You know, he told you you were created in his likeness and image. And so I'm telling you, people who don't believe they're created in the likeness and image of God, th these can be good people, godly people, God-fearing people God who love God, who want to live right, but they will nearly always make the wrong decision uh, in a crisis because they won't use their authority. They will start begging God to do something that it is our responsibility to do. So we totally step out of harmony with how we were created. We totally step out of harmony with the physical, with this created physical realm. We totally step out of harmony with who we are in Jesus. Uh, and so, so, and it all starts right there. Mm -hmm. Am I created in the likeness image of God? And you're saying that like the minute you can, are you, you are sensitive enough to feel the disharmony with God. Yep. That's when you're going to be making uh, not a good no. decision. You recognize that, and, well, I'm, and I'm, but I'm saying more specifically that yeah. that disharmony starts the moment I question. The minute, yeah. I mean, the moment I question, do I take action using my authority, or am I going to start asking God to do something? Ah. Uh. So, what happened right here in that moment? What happened with this one question? It goes back to what we started last week in right. 2 Corinthians 2, 10. 10. Yeah. What happened was a shift in perception. Just through having this conversation, it start, probably started first with them questioning their perception. And their perception was originally based on what God had told them. But now they're considering the possibility that there is another view that is just as valid. But then the second thing in this in this temptation is, all right, so am I created in the likeness and image of God? Which brings me to the second thing, and that is, so is God really trustworthy? And so now, what do you got? Another perceptional shift saying, well, wait a minute. If I'm not created in the likeness and image of God, and that's what God told me, then the real truth is God's not trustworthy. And then there was the implication, you know, that, that God really just didn't want you to ever be free from him. He wanted to keep you oppressed. By the way, this is one of the first Luciferian mm -hmm. doctrines that came into the world is that God is not good and his commandments are not for your benefit. They are to control and oppress you and keep you from this ultimate fulfillment that you could be having. So, 
at every one of these very subtle points, a perceptional shift changes. A little bit, the lens changes. Little at a time. Yeah. Remember, this is our this is our new word of the month: insidious. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Very subtle. Very subtly comes in there. Yeah. Uh huh. So 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 now there is now there is this consideration that maybe I'm not created in the likeness image of God. Maybe God is really not faithful. And maybe God is really not doing what he's doing for my good. He's doing it to control me. So this shift in perception comes. And so here's, here is the solution. The solution is make this decision to eat of the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, now we, we mentioned this earlier. Keep in mind, they could ask God about good and evil anytime they wanted to. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that God didn't want them to think. It wasn't that God didn't want them to have information. It's, God, it's that God wanted them to get their information from him, the creator. And so, you know, when I think about that, I think about God and Job. You know how Job runs his mouth and blames God and all kinds of stuff. And finally one day God says, let me ask you some questions. You know, you think you know so much? And then he starts asking him questions about creation. I, you know, where were you when I did this? Where were you when I did this? Where were you when I set these stars? Or where were you? And, and you know, finally, Job, uh, and then God says, so who is it then that, that uh, conceals knowledge? Uh, and, and Job is like, uh, I think it's me. I think, I, I think I'm the one that's concealing knowledge because of my opinion that I've got here. Well, so, so the, then the issue is, how can I really know good knowledge? If I can't trust God. So the real original sin was not really. Remember, sin starts in your heart. And and so it, behavior is the fruit of sin. Mm-hmm. It's not really the root of sin. It's not really the core of what sin is. Sin always starts, starts in, your, in heart. your heart with uh-huh. your beliefs. Yeah. So the belief was, God is not trustworthy. I cannot rely on him and his view and opinion to really show me what, you know, good and evil. So if I'm going to have the best life possible, I got to be able to, I got to decide this for myself. Hmm. They made, that was the sin. I want to be the God of my own world. And that happens by me being the one to determine good and evil. Wow. So. This is really, really good because now, remember when you said at the beginning of this podcast to get in harmony with his intentions, like God himself is in harmony with his own intentions. And you were, you know, just making that point. And when you came to this point where you said, you know, Sin starts in your heart with your beliefs that God isn't trustworthy. That's the very first thing that will get compromised. And I guess I'm just, and Bob knows this about me, but I, I have, I just, whenever I'm in that intimate place with God and I really get to that place of being so in love with him and asking him, what can I give you? Like, what Mm. about you, God? Like you're, if you truly are person, a person, just like we were talking last week mm. about a personal relationship with Jesus. If you are truly a person, 
then we give and take, we, we give and receive yep. with each other. That's what relationship is. So in my relationship with you, God, what, what is the ultimate gift I give you? Yep. And he shows me the present and the word is trust. He goes, Audrey, yep. when you trust me, mm-hmm. you have no idea the extent to what I can do with that. Yep. Like, and to the extent that you trust me is the extent to which everything good happens in your life. Like Mm -hmm. trust is not something to ever, like it is the, probably the rock, the foundation of everything. Maybe it's righteousness, but just trusting him could not be stressed more. I'm just underscoring what you're saying and just telling you personally what that means for me and how I've felt that, heard that and believed that every time I'm in a funk, it's because I'm not trusting him. Mm -hmm. Really? Sure. uh, Me too. Yeah. And coming back to, you know, again, to that place of faith and grace. Yeah. You know, faith and grace. And and that faith is that abandonment of trust. Yep. And yes, I, I, I see, you know, where God, I want you to define for me, you know, what is, you know, the, the knowledge of good. You know, I, I want you to define this for me, you know, what is the knowledge of evil. Yep. And and yet I, I, I want to go back you know, even that half step and just simply, why? Because you are the one who fashioned me. You see, you're the one yep. that created me in your very image and likeness. Yeah. You're the one who gives me the truth of my identity. Mm-hmm. And and so why, you know, then would I, you know, choose yeah. to define this for myself when yeah. when, and again, it's that relationship. You know, it's coming back to that relationship that we have with him where he is good and only good. He is harmonious in all of his ways. You know, his intentions, his designs are so fluid and they all work together. Oh, absolutely. The, the change of, of perception is very, very real. And uh, I mean, yeah. and... You know, you overlay this with what we spoke about, you know, last week and how it it then even is lived out in our relationships one with another. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so this is wonderful. Thank you, Jim. You know, so stop and think. See, when we think of good and evil, and this, this kind of goes back to fa- kind of found, what I call, you know, the foundational thinking. It's just amazing. I can, I can promise you this, and I want everybody at home, everybody listening to this, I want you to promise. When we talk about good and evil, I say we've already explained how the good is harmony, being in harmony with God. And so then we talk about good and evil, the high probability you're not even connecting good with staying in harmony with God. You're talking mm-hmm. about good. You're thinking mm-hmm. about like good and bad, good and bad, good mm-hmm. and bad. Mm-hmm. Well, so man said... I'm going I I will be my own god and that's really what this comes down to I will be my own god I will exalt my opinion my view above god and I will have a better life for it this is the way I will fulfill all of my desires this is the way I will this is the way I will function like god because remember that was the, that was the original point of temptation you're really not like god but you can be so mm. you know so their real motivation was I am going to be my own god so now, now what happens? So immediately that man is saying from this point forward, I will decide good and evil independent of input from God. 
I am going to get to Nashville heading yep. due west. Yep. And no matter what the Bible says, no matter what the map says, this is where it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah but, but the whole thing is, God, we want the same thing. Yeah. It's just that I think I can get there going due west. Yeah. I, I want to get there my way. My way. So the word good, as we said, it can mean pleasant, enjoyable, pleasing. But all of that, the reason it's good, enjoyable, and pleasing is because it is in harmony with God. And so even when we're, and remember, harmony, like we said, is, is just as much about intention as it is anything. And so whenever we want something that uh, God didn't say we couldn't have it, he didn't say that this would kill us, but when we want it, even though it's going to take us out of harmony with God, and we keep insisting that's not going to hurt us, then now we're calling evil good and good evil because evil gets into something that's destructive, gets into something that's chaotic. But as much as anything, evil always gets you into that which is out of harmony with God. So what we do is we decide what we want. And, many, and, and listen, this is why socialism is so evil. You know, I, I'm going to say this. This is a strong statement. But I won't, I've said this for years. You can be a socialist and a Christian, but you can't be a disciple and a socialist. Because a socialist says, this is the way life, we won't, this is the way life works. This is the way to have a great life. And, and so you've got to observe the process that we say will give you a great life, even though and they and they and socialism always offers you a utopian outcome that 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 mirrors the promises of what we have in the kingdom of God. But the difference is, in order to have those outcomes, you have to reject everything that God says is good. You you have to reject God's judicial system. You have to reject God's definition of love. You have to reject God's definition of morality. You have to reject God's definition of ethics. I mean, you just you 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 just go down the list, and, and if you will reject everything about God, we promise you the same thing Lucifer promised you in the garden. Yeah. You'll have the life that you really want yeah. because you'll be your own God, doing it your own way. Yeah. And that's where the world is right now. Yeah. Mm. So, so we, I, I, you know, it, I, I'm I, just so, so I. This is so because my intentions, Jim, are yeah. good. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? I, I mean, it's it's like we want the same thing. Yeah. But yet, it's 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 as though they they just reject God. Yep. And it's just like, no, I'm I'm going to do it my way. The promise of socialism, and, and you need to understand this: communism came from socialism. I mean, excuse me, I mean, communism came from Satanism. Socialism is the seductive introduction to communism. And social and progressivism is just another seductive version of socialism, which leads to communism, which leads to Satanism. You say, well, you mean we're all going to be worshiping the devil? No, you are going to be doing exactly what is the ultimate sin from which it is almost impossible to recover, you are going to enter into what the Bible calls lawlessness. Mm -hmm. 
In other words, I see law, again, we think of law in a legalistic way. Law is like a roadmap. Law is like, this is how you have justice. This is what this is what fairness and equity looks like. This is what love looks like. This is what relationships look like. But see, we have become so immersed in, into socialistic humanism, actually Satanistic humanism, we, we, to, and it's, it's been so long, we've gone through this process for so long that, that you know, uh, a murderer killing somebody and getting out of prison in two years, that's fair. That's merciful. Mm. No, that's not merciful. Mm. That's not merciful to the the wife and the child who who now lives in dire poverty because they lost the provider for their family. It's not merciful to the, you know, to to the people that are going to go through years of struggling and and feeling rejected and all that kind of stuff. So we get these new definitions of mercy. We get these new definitions of justice. You know, you know, you've heard me tell this story. I went to court several years ago where we had an accountant embezzle. Two hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And uh, so we got a liberal judge, and uh, and 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 the accountant was a female, and so the 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 DA's office really wasn't supposed to do this, but the DA's office called me and said, "Look, technically you never got this phone call." He said, "But I'm just going to tell you this: you ain't never going to get a penny of your money." Why? Because. You've got somebody saying that because this is a female, they should have a different standard of justice. You got somebody saying, I don't like churches, so, you know, in Christianity, so this is going to be a different standard of justice. Right. And so basically, you get the, these definitions of what mercy is and what fairness is. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, but they're not merciful or fair or kind to the victims. They're mm -hmm. only fair to the perpetrators. And so before long, you are in that place where you're calling good evil and evil yeah. good. Yeah. If, you, ma if yeah. you make somebody accountable, then you're not merciful. If right. you make somebody accountable, then you're really the bad guy. Yeah. And so we reject God's justice. We become workers of iniquity in the hopes and in the expectation that that will bring us a fair and just utopian society. Mm -hmm. And it won't. No. And it gets worse, and it gets worse, mm -hmm. and it gets worse. And we keep, mm -hmm. so okay, well, we'll just give up some more of God. And so the real goal of socialism is a total rejection of God's word, his morals, his ethics, yeah. and then ultimately as, uh, of God personally. You say, well, Jim, you're talking about society here. You're not talking about, what about me as an individual? Right. That is you as an individual. Every time you decide how you're going to find mercy, justice, love, kindness, forgiveness, responsibility, you know, uh, how you're going to manage your money, how you're going to raise your kid. Every time you decide anything about life, mm -hmm. you are either in harmony with God, which is what righteousness is about, being in harmony with God for the purpose, you know, of bringing God's love and God's kindness and God's qualities to plan. You're either going to be in harmony with God, and that's what righteousness is, or you're going to be out of harmony with God because you are using different morals, values, and standards, and now you're a worker of iniquity. And I'm telling you, of wow, all the people really in the good. world That's really that good. you can't help, you can't help a worker of iniquity. No. Because I they have no absolutes. I love what you just did, Jim, because you just didn't make it some idea. You said, yeah. now this is me. Now this is yep. me. Where am, how am I going to define mercy, yep. responsibility, lawlessness? Yep. How am I going to parent my kids? What kind of influence am I going to be in this world? Yep. How am I going to be in harmony with God for the purpose of bringing His love and kindness, but to take back territory according to the standards yep. of God? I, instead of being mad about it, 
What am yeah. I doing personally yep. in my life? Not to make a statement or state my opinion, no. but how am I living life? How am I loving others? How am I holding to the standards yep. of God's righteousness? Mm-hmm. How am I standing on that rock? Mm-hmm. You see, now it's personal, yep. and I'm much more motivated to what I can do personally than necessarily knowing what I can do. You know what I'm saying? I I I, I, know what you're I I get to take personal responsibility for me rather than just being mad about something about how the world is going. Like I I need to do me and and what is my exactly. part within this. Exactly. So what what's going to give me heaven on earth? Yeah. Well, what's going to give me heaven on earth is in my heart. Am I harmonizing all of my life, all my values, as much as I know how, with God and His Word? Mm-hmm. That's it. And if you don't do that, here's what you will find. The more you move away from that, the more angry you become, mm-hmm. the more critical you become, the more frustrated you become with the world. But Because inwardly, you're not at peace. See, remember, the kingdom of God is righteousness, and then righteousness produces peace and joy. Right. Righteousness is first, as it should be, and then the peace yeah. and joy is part of that. Mm-hmm. They're like fruit of that. Mm-hmm. This is really so, good. It, you know, I'm, this is serious stuff. Yes. But, but listen, you cannot honestly call Jesus your Lord if you replace God's morals and values and standard with some humanistic, Freudian, socialist, Satanist uh, philosophy about what's going to make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Boy, so, that was a long. That was a long quiet. That was, yeah, 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 it was. It was a good one. It was important. Pause hey, right listen. There. Before we last week when we started this session, you said I'm going to tell you something that so that in every situation you will have total full, total confidence to know what the outcome will be. And that's and righteousness is that place. Okay, that's because, yes. You know, in Romans five, of course, you know, you know, we have you know the kingdom of God's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But then in Romans five, you know, we have this continuum of okay. When 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 you believe you're, that you're made righteous, you mm-hmm. know, then through the Lord Jesus, then it says, then you come to the place where you have peace, and then when you come to the place where you have peace, then you have access to grace by faith. Mm-hmm. So so if I start with righteousness, I am in harmony with God. I, you know, yeah. I, I'm I, I'm not trying to control the process. You know, I'm accepting God's promises, but I'm also accepting God's process to walk, to walk the path. Yeah. I'm not earning the promises by walking yeah. the path. I'm just following the map, you know, that God's and leading and, me. And you just said very, to me, very, very profound, accepting the process. Yeah. Instead so, of, so instead I'm, of judging it, yeah. change, wanting to change it, wanting to do it your way, you're accepting the process. So remember, peace, see, we forget that the word peace in both the Hebrew and the Greek has to do with the idea of having access to all of God's resources. And so you're at peace, not just because you have some vague sense of tranquility. You're at peace because you're looking around and you have this realization that all that God has, all of his resources are yours. That's when you stand on the rock and you just look out there and it's like, you know what? Uh, I am in this realm where everything I need is here. And, 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 And so in peace... I'm going to be able to follow anywhere God's going to lead me. I'm going to be able to take any path He's going to lead me in. I don't have to sit out with an agenda because it's all mine. I'm, yeah. I, you know, th- this is settled. This is a done deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then, wow. the, then the joy. I mean, you just gave us the process, the, yep. the, the path, like the, starting with that righteous, the rock. I'm going to trust him. I'm accepting that process. And then that peace, that, that realization of those resources, they're mine. I can stand on this rock. Everything but remember, I need is and here. This, is, this is the little subtle caveat. Okay. Remember, righteousness produces peace. Yes. So righteousness, being in harmony with God. Yeah. Produces this realization that I am in a realm where all of my God, all of my needs are met. But remember, then that puts me in a situation to access grace. I use my faith to access grace, yeah. and grace is the empowering. Grace is, yeah. you, you know, it's like I think we talk about peace and all these things today like they're just intellectual factors or qualities. Right. And so like, okay, I intellectually know this is all mine. No, yeah. but I'm going to tell you what, when you're standing on that rock and yeah. and the waves are crashing, but man, you just feel like Superman. You just feel like, you know what? I, this is, this, this is my reality. Why? Because my perception has now been shifted back to who I am, what I have in Jesus. Mm-hmm. A, a great title, you know, for this podcast could so be good. very simply, how to live a joy-filled life. Yeah, because the joy is going to come. Oh, I, you wait, see? I, I, like, I like how to live like Superman. I like yeah. <laughs> or in my case, Wonder yeah. Woman, like yeah. depending on who you yeah. are. Because again... How to be a, a joy-filled Superman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but again, it's independent of circumstance. Yep. And yep. and so my, my joy is is it's natural because I'm I have no lack. Yep. Right. I have no lack. I have complete I access to all of God's you know resources. Yeah. I love how it came full circle, Bob. Mm, the whole so thing. Because then when you said in this episode, we're gonna have total confidence on what outcome will be. Yeah. Well, when we're standing on that rock of righteousness, trusting God. We can have total confidence that we're in harmony See, with his outcome. See, that's why a peace that passes understanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other yeah. people look at it and go, this don't even make any sense. Yeah. What, what do you mean you're confident? What do you mean you're not worried? What mm-hmm. do you mean you have hope? Yeah. Yeah, good. This All is right. really good. Thank you, Jim, so much. I We, we are over time. <laughs> yep. we've, we've Our kept, listeners we've are the, the best. Class Overtime you guys, today? you listeners are the best. Like you even yes, you stay are. after class. I love we're not, it. We're, and we're not even going to charge them extra for no, it. No, 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 not going to charge you extra. No. But you know, it's the true students that stay after class and keep yep. listening after the bell rings. You know, so that's where we go. so you guys really—that's your heart. We we know yep. who you are. You have that heart to take this journey of trusting right. Jesus. Good. Like, yep. Well, yeah. thanks again, yeah. every one of you, and make sure you know, give it a thumbs up, share it with others. Visit Impact Ministries. You know, this is the Live Transform podcast. Resources are there at the website as well. Yeah, we love you guys, and we will see you next time. Thanks, Jim. You're the best. I appreciate this so much. Okay, bye-bye.